Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. It's episode 11 of the 23-24 season. Usual lineup. You've got me, James. We've got John. Hi, John. Connor. Hi, Connor. Hi, James. Hi, James. Jack. Hi, Jack. Hello, James. We've Christmas and the new year have come and gone. Um, we've had how many games since we last did a pod? Northampton, Cambridge, Derby, Chowton and Coventry just gone on Saturday. Probably talk about all the games in a clump. Um, obviously, lots of news, transfer dealings, hopefully incoming, but obviously a few departures to reflect on. Uh, we'll look at uh, what's going on across League One and then we'll preview Carlisle on Saturday. Um, I imagine we might end up talking less about football and more about bodies moving in and out of buildings in this podcast <laughs> not pubs yeah <laughs> not a morgue. Dead. <laughs> dead to us um, well, no they're not <laughs> we like yeah. them. we like them all sadly it's from sonny perkins yeah let's start with there. sonny jack that was a bit a bit strange wasn't <laughs> it so he's been recalled there, there was a bit of a sense i'm not sure how much we look into it that it could have been a bit of an attitude thing but it's not going to look good for his career going forward is it well it's just a bit of a disaster for everyone really because Manning when he brought him in talked about how he'd worked with him before and he'd set up at West Ham and he'd persuaded him to join Oxford over a lot of other people obviously with his PowerPoint slides and then he barely played him didn't get looking under Craig Shaw uh, Des Buckingham did involve him in his first squad played him for three minutes and then he wasn't seen again so very odd but if he's not going to play, it frees up a lone spot and hopefully the person who comes in at least starts a game in the league. Yeah. Didn't he score as soon as Manning left in one of the pit paint pot surprise games? Yeah. Craig Short. Special. <laughs> it was against Chelsea, wasn't it? Chelsea in the 21s. Yeah, exactly. Scoring against Chelsea. Massive. Anyway, bye-bye, Sonny. It's been a pleasure. Um, where do we That's go it. next? Carl Edwards, John, that was coming, wasn't it? It's a... It's a bit of a shame. He's doing his rehab with us, though, I think. so. But they were saying April, May, maybe. When does his contract end? I don't even know. But he's but he has gone back to Ipswich. He's just doing his rehab with us. So he's not filling Correct. up our own space. The loan, the loan has been ended. Right? But despite yeah. both clubs saying he has returned to Ipswich, Des Buckingham has been quoted as saying he is with us doing his rehab because he now lives near Oxford and it makes sense. It feels a little when bit does his contract end? At the end of this season. Okay, yeah, well, so... I mean, there's got to be something in that, surely. Otherwise, what? Yeah. What? He's just using electricity and water and other utilities. I'd, I'd suggest that. <laughs> Which is I'd just rubbing it in. The last time we'd see him in a in a yellow shirt, if his rehab goes well. It's quite a commitment. It's quite a commitment it's to me, or hint at now though. Like, I mean. It feels a bit. You don't know. Random, you don't know what was involved in the loan deal, though. There might have been some sort of pre-agreement, or there might have been something in there that's you know gave option, gave Oxford the option at the end. The option to rehab him if he got crocked. Well, no, the option to the option to <laughs> offer him a contract early. You never know. Yeah, okay. I mean, how old is he? He's still got year, a few years left, isn't mid twenties? I think he's still yeah. a decent. Is he really injury prone beyond this? No, this is his first proper big injury, isn't it? Is that right? I thought yeah, I... it is. Yeah, we've discussed this in a previous podcast. We've said this is his first big injury. Okay. I don't listen to this pod. 
Yeah, it's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, no one does. <laughs> yeah, it's true. All right, well, I mean, I'd be happy with that for what we've seen of him. He, he had a, an amazing start, didn't he? What was his first goal, Russ? Isn't that absolutely barnstormer? Like Fleetwood. That was it. The Fleetwood oh, one. Mills got the first oh, Mills. We have to be... What a great segue. Mills got the first one, didn't he? Which <laughs> yeah. was cutting in on the left and then from the right onto his left. Um, yeah, Mills. Let's talk about Mills and then we'll get on to Beadle. But that that's a real kick in the teeth, Connor, isn't it? With Stan, Stan Mills. It felt like... Of of given the winger situation, Brown also looking like he is going to be out for months again rather than weeks from this point. Mm. We needed Mills, didn't we? We needed that pace injection. It's just put a lot more focus on two or potentially three wingers coming in in January. Yeah, and it is such a it's you know it's it's such an unfortunate thing to happen to him. You know, he came on as a substitute late on in, in Coventry, and you know he only had a he only had a shot. That was all it was. You know, he had a shot and, you know, he obviously twisted and that was it. You know, his, his knee's done. So, you know, he's up out for up to nine months, which is a huge blow for someone of his age, particularly as his first loan, um, you know, in the Football League. And he, he had had a really good impact. And, uh, you know, we've always spoken pretty positively of him. Um, and I think it's just a real shame that it's had to end this way. And I think we speak for pretty much everyone that, that follows Oxford that we wish him all the best. And I'm sure at some point we might see him you know, either playing against us or potentially playing for us again. Who knows? Not, you know, obviously another loan because I imagine his contract is quite lengthy at, at, at Everton and I can see why because he's got potential. Um, and like I say, it's a, it's a real shame. It's a real, real kick in the, kick in the teeth, I think. Uh, again, at a pretty, pretty uh, damaging time as it is. It's kind of compiled the problems. Yeah. I saw... Um... Danny Mills said went on social media, didn't he? And he said something about like we'll be back. Maybe I look too much into that beyond we'll be back to just watch Oxford, but maybe he'll we'll see. George will be happy about that. Yeah, that's George Fryer who tended to molest Danny Mills. Yeah, had a restraining order <laughs> off the back of delightful moments. Where was it? Barnsley away, where the restraining order was taken. There's on. a lot of running involved in that in that particular episode. Yeah. To clarify, he doesn't have a restraining order against Danny Speculation. Mills. Speculation, yeah. George, yeah. please let us know on socials at Tipmana Podcast on Twitter. Um, right, the Beadle. I've come around to the Beadle situation. I was go. I've been through a, a like an emotional roller coaster with this one, where I was like very angry. And just going like, why would he join a relegation threatened team? But they have had. They've picked up. And at the end of the day, like it's another situation they're going to put him in with a better quality of player to play against. Even if you're getting battered and end up getting relegated, you're still in a situation where you're experiencing something different with different players around you, keeping better players out of the net. John, where are you at? Well, I just think it just... Yeah, that, that all that logic if is. If you're Brighton, that's logical. that's what I'm getting at. If you're but, Brighton, that's how they think, and they don't yeah, need to uh, think about us. But it, there's a courtesy thing, isn't there? No, they well. don't have to. Yeah, yeah, no, and it, it's um, let Jack do his rant about your season long loans because he'll do it better than me. But I think it's it's just the fact it's another thing to kind of compound how bad the deck of cards we have at the moment. Um, because we've now got to go out and find. A keeper. Admittedly, it seems very like there's one nailed on, which all right, if that's the case, then not the biggest problem. For me, it was the worry about having to 
expend energy to get a goalkeeper in the transfer window, bed him into the team, which we'll still have to do with a new one. Um, it just I had it down as a, an issue we weren't going to have to deal with. I was I've no problem with Beadle at the end of the season moving up. A little part of me, I think we've talked about, still sort of would see a value in having a player stick around with a team, be part of a journey for a whole season, learn what that brings. But that doesn't that probably doesn't counter all the points you made about better shots being taken against him, quicker, you know, less reaction time, all that, better development chances. So it's just really like frustrating. As an ex-keeper. <laughs> well, he's good. He's quite good, really, isn't he? Like, he's good, yeah. I think if you look at keepers that have been on loan in League One who are young and English in the last few seasons, you've had Trafford at Bolton, uh, Rushworth at Lincoln, who is also a Brighton prospect. I think Beadle is better than them both and Trafford found himself with a multi-million pound yeah. move to the Premier League this summer. I think as soon as Brighton announced his new four-year contract, the writing was on the wall because... Um, to me, that basically said, we're going to loan him up to a higher division where someone might think they've got an opportunity to sign him permanently. But so we'll stick him on a four-year contract to protect ourselves. Because let's be honest, if he goes and plays 25 games for Wednesday between now and the end of the season and does well, he's looking at a lower Premier League move probably next season or goes back into the Brighton squad to compete. He's on the fringes of the England under-21 squad. You're not staying in that if you're playing in League One regularly. So... From Brighton's point of view, they see him as an asset. Um, they want him to get experience at the highest level. He's still not 20 till July, so the earlier he banks that experience, the better. If it goes wrong, then perhaps they stick him on a championship loan again next year. So from their point of view, it all makes sense, I think. From our point of view, the irritation is, why agree what is tagged as a season-long loan in August? Because you deem you want him to go out for a season as a club. Yes, there's a recall clause in there, but five months ago they were happy for him to go out to us for a season. If you then go, oh, actually, he's quite good in the year, maybe we should pull him back. Why not just agree a half season loan and reassess on January the 1st kind of thing? Um, yeah, it, it feels like the noises from the club, though, is as if they've been acting. I'm not sure if they're doing this just to make the fans <laughs> um, keep them on side to a degree, but the, the, the noises have been that they've been planning. For this scenario to play out from a, free, a few weeks ago, so yeah. To be fair, I think we probably had the same keepers we're going after now on the list in the summer as well. So I think the recruitment team does have the kind of two or three players for every position ready to roll. And I guess you know, whilst we said in the media O'Brien haven't been in touch, they won't have just suddenly told us over the weekend. They'll have known for quite a while. Um, yeah. Who um who is it, Jamie? Jamie Cummings or something, the Chelsea guy. But they were just talking on the dub about this. He was like 20, 24 turning 25 um, in a few months' time or something. But or just one of those that's been forever on loan around the place. But didn't they say play, he was player of the season at MK Dons in the season they got relegated, which says quite a lot about that season for them, but also quite a lot about him. He, Yeah, so... He's played. He's, well, he's played over hundred games at League Two and League One level. So he's basically a hundred games further on than Beadle was when he came to us. Yeah. Um. Had a really good half season at Gillingham. Got recalled and sent to MK, and then Manning re-signed him again at MK. Oh, um, really? Was he was a Manning? Sign. Yeah, yeah. Because that's who I thought we'd go and sign in the summer when yeah. Chelsea 
indicated he may be available. But yeah, I think he's played something like 120 games already. So, did you listen to the Wayne Brown um, podcast that the guys did behind the badge? Yeah, Connor, did you? Because Wayne yeah, Brown was suggesting, I think, quite a bit that he was heavily involved in getting Beadle in as well. And then, so, yeah, you do wonder if this Cummings guy will come in and fit the model. But Yeah, well, they your... said, he, he suggested that they were after two goalkeepers in particular who were, like, top of the list. So perhaps the other one could have been could have been coming. Who knows? Um, I know I cut you off then. You were going to ask me what my thoughts on it were. Yeah, um, there you go. I'm not, I'm not going as to an ex keep, as an ex yeah, goalkeeper, as a, as come another ex goalkeeper. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and Kidlington. Oh, Kidlington. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Better keep that one on there. That's on the CV. Um, I, to be honest with you, I think I was a bit like you, James, when initially kind of the yeah we were fuming. I was a bit. I was. I was a bit cheesed off about it to be honest, because again, you, I, I, I stick to Jack's point about the whole season long loan thing. You know, don't don't agree a season long loan if you're not gonna if you're not gonna see it through. Um, Particularly when, you know, this isn't a one-way, it's not a one-way street. You know, at the end of the day, Oxford United have put the time, the money, the effort into developing Brighton's player. Um, and yes, okay, we've had him for, how many games has he played? 25 games, something like that. Um, and then all of a sudden for him to just be, you know, whipped away and pushed somewhere else. I think sometimes it does leave a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth. But having said that, what Jack has outlined previously, I... You know, you can see from from a player development model perspective, which Brighton are, are you know very acute at. You can see why they do it, and it seems to be working very well for them in yeah. terms of their development of their players. They're not doing fact, badly with their recruitment in general, no, are they? So. Exactly. So you walk that that line or that tightrope, I suppose, when you go and sign players on loan from a club like Brighton, um, and I'm sure that doesn't damage too many relationships because uh, you know the players they allow out on loan are quality and do add add quality to a side that you know brings them in. Well we we can't we can't risk damage no, exactly. with, with anyone. No, exactly. Any, no. Anyone above <laughs> us, can we? Or would nor would we want to yeah. just over what and, you know, and Tim Williams has spoken about this as well previously about you know the whole idea with Bristol City and Manning. You know, you have to be professional about these things and I imagine the club certainly were because at the end of the day, and this is the same with any player that comes in and out of the door, they are just one player. And they have one legacy that may last years or it may last months you know it's a revolving door that is that is the i thought you're going to do industry. a carl robinson custodian of the club speech no, certainly not. Well, james henry is a custodian <laughs> of the club <laughs> um the only yeah i i do think there is just um the other thing we have to think about with beadle is that when he signed for us there could have been like 10 other clubs in for him yeah. and we may be one one is contract at the time, but at the same time, it's like they may, they, they, yeah, they would have well, said, definitely would have they? Been, like, right. you can have him. There's a chance that we'll bring him back, and I'm sure that everyone would have been aware of that. So the only the only sad thing about Beadle is I didn't get to say goodbye to him because he only lives around the corner from me in Bristol. Oh, so here we go. Bites a loves a ham sandwich. He's probably at Tesco. still packing his boxes up. Go see him. <laughs> I will. I'll go and see him in Oshin. I think we need a segment on every pod about what a certain <laughs> player bought. Yeah, I wonder who you've seen and what was the <laughs> first thing been. through the till. <laughs> yeah. See, if I'm having one person in this podcast that actually lives in Oxford. Yeah, sure. Technically, we should kick you off, <laughs> and you're doing and you're doing strange <laughs> things with it. <laughs> um, what else? Elliot Moore. 
that was a weird one, wasn't it? There was it, I couldn't work out if it just started from some. I really yeah. don't think this is worth spending too much time on. It was just I really hope that bollocks. does not come back to bite you in the arse, John. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I was about to caveat, but there's no, there's no... If he does get signed, it will just be a random thing, but I don't see why. I don't think he's on too many If there was ever a time, though, if there was ever a time in his whole history at Oxford United where I feel like he is an attractive proposition as a 25... 20, yeah, 20, he's younger than no, I 20, think he is, isn't no, he? No, he's twenty. He's twenty six. So tr- he's okay, born, born on the exact same day. So, so that's but does he? Yeah, but would he come in to a championship, a lower championship team, and offer an established step up in confidence in that defence and ability? I, think, I honestly, I think his ball playing and composure has gone up ne- next level. Oh. I well, I think so anyway. It's more on the cusp than it ever has been. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just don't, <laughs> just don't see it happening. Jack? <laughs> I was just going to say, he signed a new contract earlier on this season, so we're in a good position if someone does actually come in because he's probably got the longest left on his deal than he ever has and he's in probably the best form that he's ever been in. So, you know, as as you just said, he is at the, the top of his game with us, so that fee, if someone comes looking, should be quite chunky. Yeah. Um, another rumour that was going around was Gorin potentially leaving, heading to Forest Green. That was from today, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, I um, think the the opposite could be said for, for Gorin in terms of the fee, because <laughs> there'd be nothing with that, because his contract is out at the end of January, am I right? Yeah, this month, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, the damning thing with, with Gorin is like sort of starting to talk about football briefly, if you take the Derby game, when we were desperate for legs in midfield, I, I don't can't remember whether he was on the bench or not. But even if he was, he wasn't even considered as someone who just we just needed people to run around more in that game <laughs> at times, and he wasn't even put in that sort of ilk, which is exactly his game. So kind of for me, it was like the moment that sort of thing didn't happen, unless he was unless he was an injured and tweaked and yeah. behind the scenes we just don't know. I was kind of like, well, it's done then, isn't it? Um, Matty Taylor, done. didn't he? He scored against Swindon, didn't he, the other day, which is quite funny. But he's he's not getting much game time at all, but he's been injured for a while, hasn't he? He's just coming come, coming back in now. Um, I got the impression, listening to him, when he was a guest on Radio Oxford, he brought his kid to one of the games, and he just sounded so chilled out. It was like he'd re- just completely retired. He was going to get a job in a garden centre cafe and chill out. But... Or uh, move move to Salford. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, Carl Robinson. We've probably we've probably been talking for longer than KR managed to stay in the stand. <laughs> I heard he got <laughs> sent off. That's really funny. Did they? What they're playing for? Did they lose what? to Forest Green? They drew two, uh, two, two, two. Oh, did they? No, they drew. But fourteen minutes, he managed yeah, to stay on the, the sidelines away from someone. And obviously, with the new rules now, that's a straight red card if you delay, delay play. Wow, well so, done. Good old KR. Sounds a bit catty, but it's such a KR club t- to join, isn't it? Like and that sounds really. He'll love getting in there I'm with um, media exposure. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Gaddy. <laughs> that sounded more only fools and horses. <laughs> that sounded Irish. Uh, I won't carry on. Um, Please don't. <laughs> other squad news: um, Joe Bennett looks like he's staying, um, which is good. He's been a pretty solid performer. Definitely Why adds that? balance to that side. 
seasoned professional. I couldn't believe he'd played. We talked about it last time, didn't we? Like, was it like nearly 300 games or something um, in the Football League? So at most them um, championship level with a bit of Premier League glistening on top. But yeah, that's that's good move, isn't it? Anything to share there? Do we think he's going to be our? I suppose he'll. We'll see how we what shape we're taking up as to whether mm. Brown stays in the middle and what business we get we're getting done. But Fornley, for me as well, I know it's a bit harsh, maybe, but he's looked exposed more so than he has done ever before in an Oxford shirt. But maybe it's to do with his minutes and stuff. Connor, you're nodding. Yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite think Thornley has kind of covered himself in glory to be honest with you this season for some I mean the only performance I would I would say that he has done well in, particularly that stood out for me was Reading, apart from his booking, obviously. Um I think yeah, his Reading performance was excellent. Right. For half a game. Um, for yeah. half a game, yeah, exactly. Um I think the Joe Bennett thing is interesting because um depending on how many wingers we either do or don't sign, we might be seeing Greg Lee playing left wing and Bennett behind him, let alone Comple- let alone completely playing, forgot about Greg Lee. <laughs> yeah, let alone playing Bennett as well. So we were ridiculously well served. Left left defenders. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it's brilliant. Greg Lee coming back in next week. But we need to get Brown into the middle. Yeah, 100%. All. John. Yeah. You know, it, you, can't get a, you can't get away from the fact that it doesn't add as much as a left back. Jack? But yeah. I was just going to say, I imagine if Lee is ready to roll at Carlisle, he might get the nod because Bennett hadn't played any football this season before signing for us and has just played... I think six or seven 90 minutes in 20 days. So he's probably knackered, actually. He could do with yeah. a little break. So if... Greg Lee, it's, it's going to make... I mean, it sounds a really obvious thing to say, but him as an outball, as a presence, he's not, it's not just one player's made a difference. He's going to make a difference, but he'll definitely add something. Yeah, definitely. I'm really excited for him coming back, actually. I just hope he stays fit rest of the season. Um, Tyler Goodrum was the other one. It, it sounded like he'd... Um, He's signed a contract. They haven't released any of the comms on that one yet, but it looks like it's done. And he, he's come into form a bit of late, hasn't he? After it, yeah, he's scoring goals. Like I mean, they're not necessarily the most. Well, obviously the commentary one wasn't remotely influential, but you can't argue with he's scoring goals. I mean, we we can rightly talk about contribution all round game, that sort of stuff to come. I mean, he's going to have to play on Saturday, and he's basically going to be the leading winger we've got which isn't exactly well we might be playing that, scary, that odd four you've got to two to you know <laughs> they were, we were playing a really narrow formation weren't we well he's still he's gonna have to play as a 10 then isn't he or something but it's still yeah and I've, i think he deserves credit for the fact he's you know i also think he's protecting there. an asset by tying him down to a, to a longer term contract anyway because tyler goodrum's still got a lot of potential i think and you know, we, he's he's still hit and miss, but I, th- I still think Tyler Goodrum will come good at some point to be one of our most influential players. And I do certainly believe that. And I think he showed glimpses. Exactly. He can carry the ball, ultimately. And that, that was the big issue against, um, well, most of the recent games, but especially mm. Charlton. We couldn't really kind of move the ball past one of theirs with any yeah. sort of... He showed it against Cambridge in abundance, to be fair. And he played very well against Cambridge and obviously got his goal. Um, so... I think it's fantastic when that news does get announced. That's brilliant. You know, he's one of our own anyway. So it's a, I think it's a great, great bit of business. From, yeah. Finishing up last season, there was even mutterings that, because he, he finished on a high when the team was on a massive low, you know, that goal at Forest Green and stuff. But then as we started this season, it, it did feel like games were passing him by a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he had a decent start, but then he got to a point where he wasn't then starting games and it reflected yeah. his in his performances. So... 
They're fair play to him. I think we forget he's only 20 sometimes. Exactly. Yeah, most, yeah. Most young players do drift drift in and out of spells of form. I bet he keeps popping up with goals even when he's not been involved, which is quite a good thing, really. So, yeah, I think it's a good bit of business because if he continues to kind of slot goals in, a goal-scoring winger at this level kind of gets eyes from above, so protects us and exactly. then it's good for us as well. And he, he's got a good, really good attitude by the looks of it, doesn't he? Which is Which is key. Um, Finn Stevens, yeah, hasn't heard anything about a recall. Um, some mutterings around Blackburn being interested in him, but John, I think he's done a good job and he'll be staying. When Sam Long's back fit, you imagine Stevens is keeping that position. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think his role is very dependent on kind of how the rest of the team is functioning, but he does, when he gets forward, deliver the a decent pass or move nine, eight, nine times out of ten, which you don't get from Sam Long. So I think he deserves to keep the shirt, but it'd be, I think it'd be healthy for Long to be pushing him again. He doesn't, he generally doesn't make too many mistakes, but he's not, he's not tearing it up for the last few games, but then is the team really. So I think his form performances do correlate with the team a little bit too much at times. Yeah. We've got, um, we love injury news, don't we, on Tip Manor podcast. <laughs> But um, other things. Fascinating. We didn't start it's with all it. Fascinating. <laughs> That's still one of my favourite moments it. ever on this pod. Um, <laughs> uh, Josh Josh Murphy um, may be back for Carlisle. Otherwise, um, probably next week ahead of North. It's weird we're playing Northampton again, aren't we? In very quick succession. They're coming to our place. Um, we talked about Long coming back. He's back in training. Negru's in training as well. Um, Brown, as we said, out for a few months. So should we get on to... What do we think? It, you know, we're in January now. We've kind of talked about being down to the bare bones of things. Jack, what... Where? I know there's some obvious answers here. What What are your priorities and what have you heard on the rumour mill that you has kind of tickled your fancy? Uh, well, if coming coming comes in, then that's a massive tick in the box. Tickled me. <laughs> um, I mean, the obvious one is a striker, and there seems to be about a hundred links of various loanees that have been recalled from elsewhere, or or maybe available. What was the one on the dub that they just talked about? Uh, Leonard, Leonard Leonard from Blackburn. Um, he scored in the FA Cup at the weekend, didn't he? Yeah, he scored a few goals in the Championship this year as well. Yeah. Can, so, can we just? I mean, it's two strikers. The loan recall yeah. at the moment, and obviously we touched upon it with our own club, but the loan recall across the EFL in this window seems to be astronomical. It seems like every player who's had a, a half decent six months uh, club or five months, whatever it's been, has just been whipped back to their parent or their, their only club partner club, whatever you want to call it, and is now looking for another, you know, another game somewhere else. It's a uh, I don't know whether it's because it's happened more so with our own club this year that I've started to take more notice of it, but it does seem to have a, you know, it seems to be a popular choice for some of these larger teams that own these players. Yeah. I don't know whether there's a change in recruitment at the moment or a change well, in player development. I don't know. Similar, the industry. Similar to yeah, Beadle, though, there's always trend. got to be um, objective for recalling that benefits the parent club. Otherwise, why? In some capacity, that has to, you'd have thought yeah. so, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, that's, that's what got... I mean. So, is it a general trend now in player development across 
across you know larger teams that are loading players out. To I mean, foul? is it starting to become that? It's not like it's not like there's loads of man. It feels like there's less managerial sackings as well. Generally, this season that might be completely wrong, but that's the reason why some get recalled. But it, yeah, Jack. I, I think hi. I think I think on the loan point, we we do it of our own youngsters as well. To be fair. Like we pulled James Golding back from a very good loan at Maidenhead. We kind of give some of the younger lads three different clubs in a season. So I think the use of squads and developing your players just seems to have taken a whole step up in the last two or three years. Um, and actually, we may now we've what lost four loans, is it? You'd assume mm-hmm. that we bring four in in this window um, because because so. we can basically. Yeah. 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 What um was there anyone else, Jack? Like Jake Young would be quite funny, um, who obviously was on fro- on loan at Swindon from Bradford, which also was a bit bizarre. Well, himself, he, but... he he didn't play for Bradford or feature for them at the weekend, so he that means he's still very available because as soon as he plays a minute for them, he can't go anywhere else this year. So yeah. the fact he didn't walk straight into their team that isn't pulling up trees suggests there may be interest. You'd have thought wherever. that with Jake Young that Bradford would want to cash in on him rather than loan him out. So that would obviously be some you know, an offer from a higher division club like ourselves or above. And that would he, be some sort of cash deal, I'd have thought. He seems more of a risky investment though than other. Mm-hmm. He seems very much like he's hasn't ever really pulled up trees before. He's just having one of those seasons where everything's going in. Didn't he score four in one game at some point or something like that as well? So I think he's on 16 or so in, goals. In situations like these, I always quote the name Tim Sills because he used to bag for fun before joining us and then scored one in like 40. And it's just, yeah, you never know how a player is going to move between clubs and how they'll fit. Yeah, so it's like, the same yeah. reason when someone says, oh, we signed a striker who uh, never scores, oh, he'll never score again, or let's go sign Johnson Clark-Harris because he always scores. Like it, We know as much much as anyone that it doesn't necessarily work like that i do think with clark harris that was interesting where's he gone nowhere yet but charlton are supposed to be charlton close. that's it the the langstaff one is the one <laughs> but you're right in in the context of like kemar roof costing leeds three million langstaff who's just moving divisions and gonna, he's gonna bag like 35 goals again isn't he this season minimum so he's costing he's he's out of our Racket by far, isn't he? Definitely. Um, that's a shame, though. <laughs> I'd like. I just love something like that if it was done in a sustainable way. Um, well, there was. It's going to create an interesting sort of unwanted dynamic for for Des as well, because we're going to have to probably pay some fees for some players that he he'll want because he'll, but he'll. They won't be like his sort of first or second choice. Then this isn't going to be a transfer window where, like, in the summer he gets to sort of really kind of pick his players, get his players in. On one hand, this is an opportunity to get more of the players he's interested because he's lost a few out. But equally, I don't think he would have turned down Mills or Edwards as his own players. But I think we might end up with a few sort of players that are kind of like, well, yeah, kind of on the list, but not really. But we end up with them partly into next season. I think, yeah, as a result. And then the loans are, are a bit different. Basically, this window probably you end up fast tracking some of the stuff that you wanted to do in the summer, just because we now we're now about needing bodies, yeah. yet alone improvements to the squad. We just need numbers because we've lost so many. Yeah, yeah. And what we have no take on and have no ability to speculate, 
people just rage on social media about is where the border at with all this because I'm sure they probably in the plan were saying playoffs in January we'll go for it a little bit but this is going for it step up just to maintain and that's back to the the whole a lot of the vibes around the whole team and situation every time we lose a game it's very up and down isn't it I think Jerome made a joke about it on one of the phone-ins because you know we we managed to beat Charlton last minute everyone's calling in everyone's buzzing and then you have we get beaten by a very good Coventry side and people someone called in going like this is the worst I've felt since the Wigan 7-0 and I'm like why are you talking like why they shouldn't even put him on the on the phone what's going on um (laughs) maybe they weren't there to call (laughs) I, I, I just at the moment I think perspective we were talking a bit before we started the pod like perspective is the word I'd use and we as a group can especially me probably be quite fickle at times but when you think about that if if someone said you know at the end of last season we'll be in the playoffs in January um probably we're not Portsmouth have wobbled as well haven't we? we're not far off the top like as things stand so it's like we've got a real opportunity here and also going to Car- I, I we'll get to it obviously but Carlisle on Saturday feels big because it's un- we probably won't get too much business done this week, but you imagine if we get to that game, get a result, there's a good chance we've got some bodies in by the time the next wave of games is coming on. So We we do seem to be very good as a fan base, and potentially all fan bases do this, but you obviously notice it more with your own. Hitting this short-termism disaster mode of like, oh, the season's falling apart, all our players are leaving, that's it give up, the manager left, the new one's rubbish because he's been here 10 minutes and we've lost a few games. Like, we almost have this, like, self-fulfilling prophecy that we are forced on ourselves to say, yeah. we're not very good, really, are we? We've got no money. Oh, we're going to throw it all away. And, like, it's... Yeah. it's Whereas this time last year, we were all going, probably rightly, actually, we need to get rid of the manager and we need a proper shake-up of this football club. It's going to take a year to sort out the quote was like three transfer windows. Well, we've had one in eight days of one. So, exactly. So, what, what should now that, be phase yeah. three of um, the previous manager's reign and that, that evolution is now actually Des going, blimey, like, what what do I do here? Then you add in the recalls, then you add in the injuries. Like, let's just take a step back. We're fifth in the league, seven points behind top of the game in hand, and we've got to play Pompey twice. Like, if we can't get behind what is our best position at this point in the season for a long time, even even counting the playoff seasons? Like, when are we ever going to be able to get behind it? Yeah, exactly. I literally couldn't have put that any better myself, Jack. And I think also there's a strange element to this that I cannot get my head around at the moment is the manager. We said earlier, you know, a couple of episodes back when Des Buckingham came in, you know, he is a little bit of a romantic story in terms of, you know, who he is. There seems to still be quite a lot of slack going around um, for some of the recent performances under him, despite the injuries and etc. And some of the reactions, um, I think that I've heard in the terraces from a, I would say, I would still say a minority of fans. I certainly wouldn't say a majority. I think that's probably taking it a bit too far. Particularly at games like Northampton away um, was one is totally, totally out of sink in my opinion I think like Jack said we are in a very positive position in terms of the league you know we have obviously got some problems off the pitch in terms of the players but these are challenges that every football club faces in certain 
certain periods okay this is january it's not the you know it's not the summer window there are going to have to be some uh, like I said fast track changes that occur this month, but I, I I cannot see the negativity that some people are bringing towards our club at the moment, and I think this is really unhealthy in terms of what we actually want to try and achieve this season, particularly when you look at it within the context of what happened last season and how you know that ended. So I think people like you say um, Jack and James, I think people need a little bit of perspective as to where we are as a club, and actually we're moving in the right direction um... still, despite some of these challenges we're facing, John. Take it away. <laughs> you, <laughs> I was going to ask you a question, actually. You, you've been at the Kassam most out of all yeah. of us recently. What's the kind of, what's the atmosphere there? Because that's a different dynamic to some of the away games I've been to recently. Not really seen a problem, but that's, you know, that's one set of examples. And Tuesday night games in the middle of, on the M62 are probably a different vibe to um, Saturday away games and all that sort of stuff. Um, but what's the what's the mood like at the Kassam? And I do wonder whether there is a little bit jumping out of kind of Kassam fatigue yeah. that's really set in now with that stadium. It's almost like we know we're going or we, we're likely to be going and people are just kind of getting fed up. With that. I, don't know, I think if we're talking in terms of like right atmosphere there, but... and that side of things, then obviously there is an element of that, I think, with people are sick to death of the actual stadium itself. And I think that is playing a part in terms of the the atmosphere generation that we have. Um, however, saying that, I do think, you know, in very recent times, particularly Cambridge on Boxing Day and also Derby, uh, at home, it was brilliant you know, to see the stadium pretty much sold out on both occasions. Obviously, it was certainly sold out for the Derby game with the away fan allocation. Um, but the atmosphere was good. You know, I think it's particularly with the winning goal we got against Cambridge, it was fantastic. You know, everyone seemed to be pulling in the right direction off the back of that. Then, of course, the Derby game, which which was fantastic <laughs> when we're 2-0 up. Um and you could see what was going to happen on the pitch, and it was pretty obvious. It was written in the stars almost what was going to happen in I, that game. But I, I don't actually see too much of this negativity being banded around the Kassam. If anything, I find it more obvious at away games. Um, and I don't. It's part know if of a that away day that. culture, though, isn't yeah. it? As well, yeah. You get, like you get loaded up. It's a bit of escapism. <laughs> I think like the Ox Blogger article was particularly good, and we were saying it, it really painted a beautiful picture um, yeah. of you know the types of I don't know it's it's not like a pedestaling thing but there are people I think the main point of that article was that there are people that go there that are just channeling their energy into you know hating on the opponents and not channeling channeling any energy into supporting the team and getting behind them and there's always times where you, it can be difficult sometimes to kind of right you know raise your own raise yourself to kind of get behind the team if the team aren't performing. But when we're scoring a goal and your first idea is to go for the away, for, you know, the well, the home fans in the Coventry, in the Coventry sake. But like, it's that type of thing that I think um, there's just a, it's a cultural thing across football, isn't it? We're not special in that respect. It's like, it's everywhere. Jack, you wrote a nice piece in our WhatsApp chat <laughs> um, yesterday about some of this as well, I think. But I think we were getting on. We're getting into like sociology, aren't we? No, it is. Yeah, you... the, I, I, yeah. As a short version of what I said, football's always been that working class sport, and generally, when the stereotypical working classes and kind of less rich people in society are struggling or are angry at what's going on politically or in their own lives or whatever, you often see a kind of trend within football. And I think as a as a country, we're definitely seeing that. And as a fan base, we seem to have got 
you know, elements who perhaps are airing their frustrations from whatever work, personal health, whatever they air it in that 90 minutes yeah. on a Saturday and it becomes and, more noticeable as it increases. And I do, if I, Connor, I think when when you're at Northampton away and to be fair, they had 60% possession, they were the better team and we yes, we came back into it with that Cambran penalty and then looked like maybe we could take the game to him, but we didn't. There's a lot of frustration there. They weren't on a bad run, were they? But at the same time, like to lose that game late on, I, st- I get why you've got a bit of anger, but it's how the anger is directed and how it is kind of followed up on. Like if you yeah. have, I, I, yeah. you're always going to get that if you if you're playing a team you should be beating, um, and you're not. There's always going to be a bit of rage in the stands. But the the thing is, it needs to be like wrapped up dealt with and then you move on and support and the you team move on for yeah. the next one yeah, and that, yeah, it yeah. feels like it's carrying often until the the next like 94th minute winner that gives us that the right i don't know yeah if it's probably a bad time to make this point because it's not really related to the sort of anger point where i think there is coming back to your point about the manager connor i think there are elements in the early games that we'll talk about where you can legitimately kind of criticise how we've played on the pitch, how that appears to be managed, some of the decisions. So I can put a little bit of criticisms on the manager for some of those early games. And then the latter ones, Derby kind of moving into Charlton, they become more about scenarios about the fact the injuries really do become a factor and the fact the team's knackered. And that stuff I go, well, look, that's just a bad <laughs> deck of cards. cards. Loving the cards. My analogy of the um, can of every the player be assigned a card? So I think as well to really ride at home. Doesn't matter. Carry on. Yeah, you're getting yeah. into jokers and stuff like that. Aren't you? Um, but I think the point I'm trying to make is that that doesn't. That's not a big. It's not a reason for any of this kind of manifestation that's bubbling around in the fan base at the moment. I do think it's an interesting thing to touch on, though, that certain elements don't seem to be quite working on the pitch when we were in a more balanced scenario in terms of the squad and the players available you can't really talk about that the footballing issues as much in the latter games because it's just an absolute what what do you guys think about that there's been some feeling like the club hasn't been dealing with comms as well they, as yeah. they have done in the past and i do i i do agree in some respects i'm not expecting daily updates on the stadium and stuff no. but it's more there was a period of time, wasn't there, where you'd get regular updates on the finance side and then you'd get regular updates from Tiger at the time or regular, and they did the five minutes fan forum regularly or whatever. But it, it does feel like some of that has dropped off a little bit and people, maybe it's just people lashing out for something. I, I personally think it is. And I, I, I kind of wanted to jump on this one a little bit because I do think that there's been a little bit of an exaggeration on this idea of comms from the club because... At the end of the day, the football club, um, particularly those in the upper echelons of it, which I imagine where most of this is being channeled, most of this kind of discussion has been channeled towards, they are a football club, they are a business, unfortunately, uh, whether we like to see that or not. Um, we are not a fan-owned club. Um, we have very limited stakeholder investment as a as a fan base in the club, um, and that certainly does influence the level of communication that we either have from them or and or with them. Um, and I don't really like using the word them either, because actually at the end of the day is still, you know, we are part and parcel of the club. So it's more of a us thing, I'd like to think anyway. However, I think, like I say, some of the 
I suppose anger or some of the some of the kind of criticism of the club at the moment, but given in around these you know, these transfer dealings that have gone on recently, or you know the lack of assistant manager or the lack of performance analysis, whoever else has come into the club, and it seems to me as though people want the club to be this kind of open, transparent book. Well, unfortunately, that's not the case, and that isn't going to be that way. Um, I understand some clubs are better at it than others, um, particularly. When yeah. we're losing as well, just to be slightly, yeah. slightly cheeky. About um, you know, they want like, yeah, everyone wants the club to be open and transparent. And I think, to be honest with you, you look at the comms around the stadium leading up to this application. It's been pretty decent. I can't, I can't lie. Uh, I think it's been pretty good. Um, I think there's been a little bit of an over. I think the stadium stuff could be a little. I bit think the stadium. I think the same stadium stuff of. is. Just because they're not talking doesn't mean they're it's, not doing. It's sensitive as well, the stadium. Exactly. I think, and I think, prob- yeah, and I'm not... the, just to jump on that, but the problem with the stadium stuff is they banged on for so long about we need to get this application in before the end of 2023. That's the target. We know it's a tight timescale. We need to get it in. That's the target, this tight timescale. We're now eight days into January, and the only thing we've heard about the application is Jerome suggesting that there's an issue. All it takes is the club to come out and say, we weren't able to submit the application as planned at the back end of the new year due to a number of issues that are private or under confidentiality clauses. However, we will update you as soon as possible. I think people get frustrated at the silence because Tim Williams specifically said in his last big interview he did was, I get people get frustrated with silence, will be better. And it, it since then, it hasn't been better. So I think a lot of it's kind of angry frustration that then becomes this amplified noise when yeah. the on-pitch stuff starts happening. Because we've not so, heard from Tim Williams since September yeah. in any form. Yeah, but I also but, think, is there actually much point in this level of update anyway? Because generally, what, what difference does it actually make whether we hear about I, that or not at the precise moment? There's definitely something about don't say... negative. Yeah, there's definitely something yeah. about... yeah. So don't say, say don't things. say things for the sake yeah. of saying something because yeah, then you just get I think if you publicly put, it, publicly it's about, put a target out there and not met it and then not addressed it, people yeah. are, are right to ask questions. I, I, I agree. Stuff happens. Yeah, I agree on the stadium stuff. I think I'm was more referring to the kind of everything else and the sort of there is no, no utopia of club comms. It would just be better to find a space where you kind of you routinely do something like you do quarterly type things. It's a bit more sort of structured, but no one's saying here that the social media team needs to be on it every minute and constantly thinking about updating us about what's happened and what direction the wind's blowing on the training ground. Yeah. And I do agree that that when, if we're winning, no one is saying anything (laughs) for the most part. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it does come a lot. I of think it does come back to that. On the on the flip side of the criticism from me, I think we've also forgotten that we were so used to Carl Robinson shoving his face in front of every microphone going to talk about everything that he had <laughs> involvement with. Now we've got someone who does that less. He does his one interview on iFollow. He does his Radio Oxford interview, and that's it. We're not having three interviews a week about how I'm the custodian of the club and I care so much and look at me. I've been to every charity going and blah blah blah. So I think it's people. It's this weird thing in it. People complain when it's not happening. People go, "Why is he talking so much?" And then, yeah. Yeah. whoever the next manager is, the next chairman, the next owner, will there then be the 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 flip of views again? And we just have you. Yeah. I I do often think with Buckingham. Um, the only thing I'd say so far is I, I haven't got. There's no room for any critique there because he just hasn't had a shot. He needs time, lots of time, yeah. and we have Definitely no idea agree. how good he's going to be. 
tactically, in terms of signings, in terms of, we're not going to know until maybe this time next year type thing, assuming you know we're in a reasonable spot. Um, I do think with his, his mannerism and the way he projects himself in interviews and stuff, it does. I, I don't tend to. It's hard to listen. Um, is the only thing I'd say. Like it's very. There's a lack, and it might be. It's similar to Manning in that respect, isn't it? There's a lack of kind of emotion coming through, or the personal edge to things. And obviously, KR was one extreme of that. But I still like. I do still think the fans sometimes want someone in between to to demonstrate a little bit of that kind of connection that we know he's got and you know he will feel, but it's the way he's communicating. It's so uber professional to the point where maybe there's a bit of a lack of connection there and people are still kind of striving for it. Um, And he is the main, he's the main voice of the club at the moment in the absence of anything else. And that, I do think there is something in what KR used to do. And obviously it was was overkill, but when we were winning, it was great, wasn't it? Sometimes, you know, you'd think, ah, I don't know. The assistant manager will help on all sorts of things, but it will probably allow Des to kind of take his hands slightly off in front of as a bit of a guard. Because right now he's probably going, I slightly need to bunker down. This is all on me. And others around him will be able to sort of, you know, support him and help him. And he'll be able to kind of allow that stuff to come out a bit more as well. It's like to your point, it's just, you know, yes, he came into a tough run of fixtures and then all this stuff's, happened like you say there's bits in how he sell set the team out and done things i think you can still critique he doesn't get a free pass but it's it is still in that early phase yeah um, it, i didn't want to i didn't know how to approach that in terms of words really but i i'm obviously i think he's done a good job he's been very professional um we haven't heard too much of him address any kind of the tactical flaws and things but he has obviously just been handed these cards john um, with this injury situation and we need to get to the other side of it get through the back of January and have a really good run um, run at it for the rest of the season oh, but, um, yeah. sorry I was just looking then if we were to carry on our form of the last four games which is what win lose win lose for the last 21 games we'd get another 33 points so we'd finish on 79 which gives you a damn good shot of being in at the sixth sixth or fifth position like yeah. As I said 10 minutes ago, whatever it was, if we can't get behind this position now and want to start looking for, or not looking for things, but pointing things out despite the fact that the on-pitch position is very good, then, you know, you you almost go, well, what's the point of supporting a football club if you can't get excited about where we're sat at? It feels that we're at a proper... Um, what's it? Fork in the road, and as fans, we have yeah. a real impact on which way that can go. We do. We have a huge impact on this, and this is one of the reasons why I just cannot get my head around some of the negativity that's been banded around recently. Because honestly, like you say, Jack, we are a, we are a kind of critical juncture at the moment where it could go one one or two ways, and actually, the fan base can take a little bit of responsibility for it if it starts to go the other way. I don't think everything falls on the club all the time. I think sometimes, actually, when we're at games, when we are in the terraces whether it's a home or an away fixture, we have a choice in the way we act. And I do think, I'm not saying every single football fan at Sports Oxford should be on their feet cheering, clapping. Everyone does their fandom differently. But one thing that we should all be doing is perhaps putting a little bit more effort into the players on the pitch rather than moaning about what's going on in areas of the game that we really have no control over. One thing we do have a little bit of control over and a little bit of say is how we act as a fan base. 
with our players when we're in a stadium with them. If if we do go, if we did go win, lose, win, lose for the rest of the season, <laughs> of course they would. would explode. Honestly, people are exploding at this point, John, and we're bloody fifth now. So imagine what it would be like if that happened. But I... I, I well, <laughs> perhaps, good thing, John, perhaps it might be. But yeah, I do think that we... I think it does go back to this idea of perspective. And I do think sometimes we need to count our chickens that actually we do but, have a pretty decent football club to support and get behind. The, the other... Some when of the unfortunate souls. The other thing Oxblogger touched on at one point was <clears> the <throat> ultras, wasn't it? And the fact that since they haven't been around, they they were a group that came in, yeah. created a bit of fun and created a bit of atmosphere. And there were times when we were losing games or getting battered or still yeah. struggling, they were still singing. And again, it's back to that, how are they channeling energy? I've seen people that used to be in that group that are kind of uh, you know, assessing where our fan base is now and the, how we're generating atmosphere, and it's a yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, there, it's, it's there was a, a lot of restrictions. There was a lot of restrictions with that group in terms of what they could deal with with the restraints that were given to them by the stadium, as well, and the stadium operators at the Kassam, which I won't go into too much detail around. But That's... that was something that was clearly impacting their ability to to kind of you know continue the great work that they were doing so perhaps this is something that might end up being revisited once we get a new home and I think exactly yeah only, standing only, safe standing exactly that can only be a good thing um yeah. for endless the pyro fan culture endless pyro <laughs> pyro endless. built into the stands yeah. <laughs> like endless fireworks yeah exactly I've always thought we should have when a goal scored, big flamethrowers coming. Out <laughs> I the think post. so. Yeah, giant ox yeah. flag, built-in drums all around the back of the yeah. stand. Yeah, so I, yeah. I do think that this is something that will hopefully rear its head again when a new stadium is opened. And I know that seems quite a long way away, um, despite some of the things we've spoken about today. But I, I, I think, and I hope that does come to fruition but i know that a lot of the problems there resided yeah. with the stadium yeah. and some of the things around that we've nearly done this pod for an hour we haven't really talked about it i don't think we've done this no, before we've... without no, no football really i think we've spoken i think we've spoken about quite a lot of important things though james yeah. despite okay. the football we'll let the listeners tell us that um we talked to, we did touch a bit on northampton cambridge cambridge i took my daughter who to her first oxford game cambridge boxing day um, I escaped, escaped the family briefly, went and did that, and obviously that was amazing. That last minute winner, and good to be fair, Goodrum created something out of nothing because Cambridge were better than us first half. Um, came into it, and that yeah, that last minute winner, Connor. Obviously, you were near me, but yeah. it was epic. They came, knee, yeah, Kieran brilliant. Brown knee sliding over right, right in front of, front us, of yeah. us. Absolutely yeah. love those moments. Yeah, they were fantastic, weren't they? Yeah, so you were there with with your daughter, and I was there with basically my entire family. So, yeah, it was brilliant. It was a it was a, a really good moment, and again, uh, you know, a crucial crucial three points really, particularly after what happened the game before, obviously against Northampton. Yeah, it's that one. Kieran Brown was confronted a bit by some fans, wasn't he, at that yeah. Northampton, and then obviously scores that winning goal. But he referred in a quite a mature way to. Well, he kind of tidied that up in his post-match after Cambridge yeah. and said, kind of stick with us type thing. I, I, together. I, I generally think Kim Brown's this... a future captain if he stays around long enough. Oxford. Th- these two games were definitely the most concerning ones for me. Like I thought Cambridge would won. And some games over Christmas, you do sort of need to scrape through and 
get a result. So I'm not looking for perfection at all. It did feel like we were quite passive in that game. And sort of for a team that beneath us and we were at home, under Manning, dare me, dare I mention his mm. name, we would have probably been at them a lot more. The, the pressing is sort of wasn't really there. We kind of let them play reasonably well. They kind of, their midfield kind of sat on top of our two and just kind of Ruben was isolated and we couldn't really knit anything together. Had the odd move, like Harris did some nice stuff. Um, kind of Marcus McGuane got in a few good positions. What did he do then, at half time? He brought McEachran on, didn't, didn't he? And McEachran, was it McEachran for McGuane? And then McEachran actually had a really good think, second half. Um, yeah, so it did get better. And I'm not saying it was kind of like, oh, we we, knit, we scraped it. But it it just felt like a sort of how the team was working within itself. And that midfield thing that I was bang on about just didn't seem to be there for the Cambridge game. And then the North, jumping to Northampton, that just seemed to be against a team who were playing pretty yeah. basic football. That was back to that show. feeling of, and I know every football fan will think this about their team sometimes, but we were ha- we were working so hard to get near their box and they would just boot it and they had a winger just bearing down and getting a ball in there and nearly scoring. Yeah. And Flick on. You'd just be over. like, oh, it looks so easy. But, you know, that's many games ago. Um, Derby is the one I want to, Jack obviously is quite an emotive one for you. You've got a lot of family connections. Um Derby, you tried didn't you travel down there with a bunch of Derby fans that had to travel yeah. back? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this was so I've never been, and I know this has been well said on various other <laughs> Oxford related outlets, but I've never been so convinced of losing a game when 2 0 up than ever before. Like it, it, from the moment the second goal went in, I was still like, probably not gonna win this game. <laughs> Is that how it felt in the stands? I think it, well, to be honest, I think it's from the moment Derby scored just before half time. Um, the the Derby fans thought well, we can win this, and we as Oxford fans, I think we we could see what was going to happen. I think for me, um, the the most frustrating thing for me was we seemed completely clueless of how to stop Derby playing. Everyone knows how a poor one team plays, and that's get it wide, look for diagonal balls, get the ball in the box, get players in the box. Yeah, I think we allowed 40-odd crosses, 19 corners. We, and actually, for the most part, we defended them quite well. But if yeah. you're having 50-odd balls into your box, you're <laughs> going to give away opportunities at some point. And it, for me, it was just we did stand off and let crosses come in. The second goal was the one we let their yeah. centre back take a touch and cross the ball and the littlest player on the pitch gets on the end of it and you just stand there and go, We can't stop this. We like we 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 just what what can we it, do here? It was like it was It was the effort it was the effort to stop the number of crosses against a team like that. Yeah. You're always gonna be a lot of balls into the box. You can't stop a team working it to the outside centre back who crosses it in. But you, most of the time you don't mind that. It was just the way we would completely enabled to say look they're not trying to come through the middle it doesn't mean it's not great that we're dominating the middle of the park because we haven't got an out ball to the side or anything like that to me it was just yeah it was just very frustrating that we couldn't do anything about that and equally didn't like McGuane had a great chance on the counter and played this awful like air ball towards Harris and we could have killed it off 
but we didn't do any of the things to try and kill the game off as well. There was no sort of, dare I say it, like tactical kind of injuries or, or slowing the pace down. We just no let rotting. them build up a relentless stream of, yeah, no rotting. It, it wasn't weird. Sort of to thing. Jack's point, um, though, there was a lot of people afterwards going, oh, you got to defend at the back post better. But again, when you've got 19 corners and another seven free kicks on the edge of the box and 60-odd ball, <laughs> whatever it was, but the odds are you're going to concede two or three or four goals. They they were a slightly better version of the away fixture, but not that much. They were just a little bit more kind of the delivery and some of the players were a little bit more on it. They looked less I'd like to know what our possession bun- was like. in that away game because we had 30%-ish in that um, home tie. And for their style of football, I was a bit we were, like... We were definitely... You know, away, we were controlling a lot of that game. We were good value. First half, we I think we were well up like nearly 50 60%. I certainly remember feeling yeah. like that. Um, but you're right. Either way, Connor, how did you feel walking away from that game? I'd love to see a video of Connor after all his speech earlier where he's there going, yeah, get out, sack them all. I, I don't know. I, I kind of... I kind of felt quite at ease with it, to be honest with you, and at peace with it. Um, I think I, I walked out. Um, I deserved I remember, it, Yeah, but I remember walking out and I remember a guy behind me going, oh, where does that leave us in the league? And I turned around and I said, oh, sixth. And actually, as I turned around and said it, he had a derby cap on. And, that, and I remember just saying to him, I was like, well, that was coming, wasn't it? You know, we had a good chat on as, we, as we were walking out. Um, obviously, he wasn't in the Oxford end, but we queued up with a load of people and bumped into him. But... It was, um, yeah, it was something that was coming. I think it was it is one of those where, you know, like you said, and I'm not going to repeat what John and Jack have said, um, it, it was on the cards, really. The writing was on the wall, I think, particularly when they got it back to 2-2, you knew it was coming. Um, and yeah. tough tough one to take in terms of in terms of the result, but not necessarily a tough one to take in terms of the opposition. Uh, I, I, I'll hold my hand up and say, if you lose against Derby County, that's no... You know, no catastrophe, it, is it? I think it's less about the club, more the style of football um, and just not having an answer. It just kept happening. It just happened for the whole game. I think <laughs> to, the, just to just well, to caveat it, we were, we were done by losing Mills and Goodrum because it did mean we had no... Yeah. No out. We had James Henry, didn't we? Play and it did. On the it did turn into. I think James, you said it as well, possibly on Twitter. It did turn into hanging onto a cup tie style yeah, performance, League where above. we would just lump the ball up the other end. We know it's going to come back, but if we last long enough, we might get through it. Um, and I think I'm going to use the cards analogy now. This just links into the cards that Des has been dealt. Like even in game, people are getting injured, and he's not got the bodies to change. And affect things, so you can't, you can't pull as well back. as you would like. Very yeah. good, very exactly. Good. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the only disappointing thing was, I suppose, is that when we did go to kind of three or five at the back, that we ended up then conceding two goals. <laughs> I suppose that was probably the disappointing bit. Well, I brought another, brought another defender on, and some, then we conceded two. Some but, credit to Paul Warren that because he spotted that Thornley wasn't very big and brought on Sonny Bradley, which then made two yeah. of our defenders mark Bradley and left a free man all the time. Yeah, and so Lord. yeah. With Paul, his yeah, record. exactly. Paul yeah. Wong could shuffle his cards. Yeah. So. yeah, didn't get it on the deck. No aces. Anyway, the next game yeah. was the next game was Charlton. Yeah, Charlton. <laughs> um, we took that followed <laughs> similar suit. We've lost so many listeners. Well, well, we, well, we, Smith came up trumps yeah. at the end. Yeah, and to be fair, when when the game started, and yeah. the squad, I thought they were playing a diamond midfield. Uh, 
Um, right. Should we get back to talking about how great a club we've got? Charlton away. Um, what are you we like, with a spade we like a Char- Sharp. We like Charlton away. We didn't say that. We, only, we had just over a thousand, didn't we? <laughs> In that away end. Obviously conceded yeah. early and then... Um, yeah. We needed Mark Harris to get a goal, and I loved, I loved his goal. I loved yeah. everything about it. How hard was that finish yeah, though, I know, compared I know. to all the other but ones? It, it, that the run, run, yeah, the run. And the death so touch. Everything about that goal—it was Ruben that played it in down the right, wasn't it? Stevens that crossed, and then um, yeah, I love. I just those the type. That's exactly what you want from him as that type of striker, isn't it? But then when that, you, me, when you the, see it as a move, you're like. Why do we make it look so easy sometimes? And then yeah. for another 80 minutes, just looking capable of doing anything like that. It's That's, that's part of being a football fan, isn't it? The frustration is just... I was going to say, that was like the perfect goal. It was. Like that. I just love those. Like It's just so sweeping. It literally went through every third of the pitch. More. Yeah. You know, into... But if you, if you notice, though, Stevens it didn't hands. involve McEachran, yeah. Brannigan or McGuane. Because it was a typical, it was a kind of a game we've seen a lot recently where they've just been unable to find space in an offensive yeah. space. You've... So Elliot Morgan was came ten fifteen yards and was yeah. able to play into Ruben, who, to be fair, has been a bit it's off. It's because he was, and that worked because Charlton of, were playing man for yeah. man basically and playing really tight up against against the yeah, midfield three. We, but Ruben's Ruben's movement is what you know kind of drew that. I suppose, or created that goal because he came... Yeah, yeah and in that formation, to get the ball. that's the only way we could, the limited option we had, which was we had to move players around and there were periods in that game where we couldn't, unless Brannigan, who was pinging some lovely passes around, as to a degree, was lost in. Yes. Um, it, it was a tough... I thought we, to get in patches of this game, we looked really good. And especially second half, we looked the better side. And I, felt, I, I do think we were pretty good value for that win. Yeah, in the end, Smith had, Smith had a good game, didn't he? As well, he, he started part. off a little bit, started off a little bit shaky, I think, defensively, because I think a lot of us were trying to figure out where what the system where was, was, and we yeah. found out he was playing yeah. right centre half, um, and he did look a little bit out of his depth up against, you know, like Chem Campbell, for example. You know, I mean, he's on loan from Wolves, and you know, who was the other guy? Who was their left wing back? Bl- Tyrese Blackett Taylor, Blackett Taylor, yeah, and yeah. it was Tyrese Campbell as well, wasn't there? So he he looks like a player, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think Mills, uh, not Mills, sorry, um, Smith kind of struggled to find his feet defensively a little bit, but then I think he grew into that, and I think Stevens helped him out quite a bit in the end. Um, but I think actually on the ball, I think he was excellent. He played some fantastic, yeah, cross field passes. Yeah. His, his range of passing was brilliant. And then I think I think we don't really need to uh, to say how incredible that strike was. I that was see that there was a good audio recording of our some of our reaction when that goal went in. <laughs> Jack, that was a great moment, though, wasn't it? Like, um, again, it's funny to think that was our last league game, and there's still a bit of this feeling um, amongst the fan base. We've won a game in the in fact we've won a couple of our last two of our last three games in the ninety whatever minute. Um, it was a great finish, though, wasn't it? Amazing moment. It was one of those where when he first hits it, you think, "What's he done that for?" Then as you kind of follow the boy going, oh, "Hold on a minute." Oh, blight. And then, yeah, there's a couple of great videos from behind the goal of the kind of, as you get with football fans, kind of generally chatting, going, oh, he's not really good, that Smith, is he? And then pings it in the top corner and you just get the the emotion of it. But yeah, that's the point. Like, 
that was our last league game. And I'm yeah. not, I don't even particularly want to talk about Coventry because you write it off. It was a cup game against a team in the league above. Yeah, there was some bad things. It was a free but, hit. Yeah, we yeah. just get on with it now. And you, That is the you thing as well. You, you go into Coventry off the back of a last-minute away win away at Charlton, who are a team that you know would not want to be losing. <laughs> they look at Oxford and they think we are we should be above where they're at, right? And we, I don't know. I just think um, on to Coventry. They that Palmer player that they have is like Casey next Palmer, level. Yeah. Like yeah. he is, it's so. Yeah, he he is such a player, and they they've gone for. In fact, they had so many decent players in that side. I was well impressed with them. Yeah, Sims yeah. is like exactly. the ideal striker. He's the striker. The sorry, the type of striker which probably doesn't exist at League One level. That you'd want he is tall but he's actually pretty quick great presence um the way he walks past thornley which is possibly a bad example but um but he did it a couple of times throughout the game um i mean some of the defending and we've probably not really talked about it enough with some of these games there's been there's been some pretty poor defensive goals that, i mean that first goal just to um, and, i <laughs> i know eastwood had obviously just come back in it was a bit of a surprise to us all he his position his positioning for that first goal he was like on the back post as the ball went towards the front post and he had about seven bodies in between him and there and um it's a very weird goal to concede but he actually second i know like he made some saves second half he played all right mm-hmm. i just i we need to I, i'm still i think eastwood is is resigned to knowing that he's a backup goalie at this stage yeah so Definitely. he'll be playing on Saturday, you expect. But I mean, I, I go into the commentary game. I mean, I was there and um, I took my nephew to his first ever away game. And you know, I said to him, I said but, to him, like, thank you know, you for that. well, I said to him, like, don't get your hopes up, mate. I said because you know this is going to be a massive upset if we pull anything off here because Coventry are a very good side and they have hit some very good form as well coming into this game. And their side they put out was. Uh, was you know not a weak one you know Sakamoto for example one of their wide players was absolutely unbearable like you just could not kind of contain him mm. um, he was very good and obviously Callum O'Hare as well pulling the strings Casey Palmer playing alongside him you know they, they got a very good team so for me like you said James right at the beginning there I think commentary was a bit of a free hit for me and Definitely. I don't think you can really really criticise the team performance you know look again it wasn't the strongest eleven that Oxford. You know, have. I think that's, it's probably that, the, strongest that's the other that we point, though, isn't it? Yeah, but, like it, when you think about it, we still maybe, scored twice. We still got off our seats twice to celebrate if, two goals. You know, if we were playing a counter-attacking lineup and we had Edwards and Marcus Brown fit, exactly. am- amongst a few other players back there, you'd, you'd be maybe thinking yeah. there's an op- there's a potential opportunity here. But I, I did not go into that game expecting anything. No, um, neither did I. And I think one one good takeaway we can have from it as well is Harris got on the score sheet again. Yeah, two in two. Exactly. Yeah. You know, this is again positive signs for him to sort of hopefully get back to some goal scoring ways. And he took his goal well, caught deflection. There must have been still. a good moment. At least he had a moment to exactly. score at there a was decent two moments. time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. So I I I think in terms of the performance wise, I think it's a bit of a free hit. And I think anyone who thinks otherwise, that's fine. You can have your own opinion on it. But I think. Perhaps you might need to give your head a little wobble. You hope the team learns quite a lot from that game because a lot of it was a slight. Coventry's movement was pretty simple at times, but kind of carved as open relatively easy. And to, it's the point that they're a championship team. 
all their players just looked, maybe it's just a perception thing, they just looked a little bit leaner, a little bit quicker, kind of, you know, they, they all knew their kind of patterns and plays. It just sort of, you could see a lot of them would drop back in and then suddenly whip over to the other side of the pitch. It was just a very, like, confident team's performance. And we were there as kind of like, look, are we just going to try and block these guys or are we going to try and counter them? And then you throw in the mixture of, like, some players that just haven't yeah. really been on it at yeah. all, a bit, a bit tired. It was just a sort of... One thing that was good is I felt like I was, like, 16 again, in, being, in looking at all the dodgy streams that people were sharing to watch the game on. Like I was thinking Iraq goals circa 2006. Um, good times. Does that resonate with anyone? 3,000 is a great Oh yeah, that was, well. that's another point. Yeah. 3,000, nearly 3,200 fans. I was really surprised. We've, I mean, we played commentary a fair bit. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Jack, you were surprised with that. I, I was surprised. I know Charlton was New Year's Day, so transport's harder and people have been around. But we took, if someone had said to me, you'll take three times as many fans to Coventry in the third round than you would to Charlton when you fly in fifth in the league, I'd have been like, don't be daft. But but then this shows what we can do as a fan. But like, it just yeah, all out of nowhere. that like, frustration of the frustration. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Okay, um, and I don't think we should cover old ground because I think we've already done it once in this podcast. We could go back and create a whole other debate around what that what that three thousand odd was like on uh, on Saturday. But uh, I think we yeah, covered a lot that. of that. Um, Connor, did you know that um, over thirty percent of our league goals have come between the eighty first and the ninetieth minute? I honestly couldn't believe this when I when I saw this statistic. And Connor, I would not have said that. Would you, would you believe that? 30, the exact same percentage um, yeah. we've conceded between the 81st and the 90th minute. That 31% of goals. Yeah, I can as well. Yeah, I, I really feel it as well. You really yeah, feel, feel both, of them, both of them, don't yeah. you? Those ones feel a bit more like daggers in the heart. Yeah, so, that's true. Yes, I can believe those. But they are interesting stats. And I think I'll be Thanks. interested to see how that materialises throughout the season. See whether that you. trend continues, that whether it changes. Stat watch. With James and Connor. Um, Usually presented by Jack. Yeah. League One, Jack. Um, It's been, again, well publicised that a few teams seem to be stumbling a little bit. Bolton have just climbed. That's two points off Pompey now. Um, Despite losing. They lost at their place, didn't they? Two in hand. Two in hand. Yeah, nuts. Um, But there's been when it was... I think George in the WhatsApp group posted, didn't he? If you looked at the last like six games, the form and stuff around the table, we weren't really, we like seventh in the form table, even though we, it feels like we've got a mid, you know, some form of crisis going on. But yeah. Well, when you break it, when you, again, when you break the table down with three points behind Derby, you've lost one, one in 10 and they're only three points ahead of us. So it shows you know, we're hardly dropping like a stone away from it all. We're keeping ourselves in the mix. And I think, to be honest, I think if we re-listen to our preview show, apart from James, who you thought we were going to piss the league. Um, Fifth. In jest. Um, I think we all said we'll probably have a flirt with the playoffs and we need some improvements. And that was done about a month before the season started. And actually, if we say now with 21 games to go, what do you think we need? We need a couple more improvements in January, get some bodies in, and we'll probably stay in the mix. Because I don't think 
you know, we're only seven points behind Portsmouth, who hadn't until a month ago hadn't lost all season. Like this this league isn't that good this year that we we just have to keep ourselves in it. Well it's seventh and eighth. Stevenage and Blackpool, probably the only two other teams beneath us I'd worry about. I don't think there's anyone else beneath them that's in a massively false position. Obviously, Wigan have had point deductions. I think that's... Yeah, you're absolutely right with that. Blackpool have really surprised me. Because when we played them, you were kind of thinking, hmm, didn't we we get a draw in that? Jordan Rhodes scored late to equalise for him. Is that right? Was that a different... I think that was what happened. (laughs) I'm pretty sure we drew one all at home. Maybe. As my voice goes higher, my... (laughs) I doubt gets. Oh, oh, almost there, and I can't even remember. I'm pretty sure we were winning one nil. We didn't deserve to be winning, and Jordan Rhodes equalised, and it had been coming for a long time. One all, one all, yeah, one yeah, all, yeah. Twenty first, twenty. It was Greg yeah. Lee on his um. It was a great goal as well. I remember. It. Roll, oh, that was the, the volley about post. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Yeah, I I agree with you though. Like it beyond that, the kind of. Top eight, we generally look all right. Lincoln have really fallen away after looking like they might be able to come into it. Um, the thing, and also when you look at fixtures, we've got, um, we'll talk about Carlisle in a sec, but well, actually, no, I'll talk about Carlisle now. Carlisle, are, um, second from bottom, played a game more as well than Fleetwood, who sit at the foot of the table, won one in 11 games. These stats do terrify me a little bit heading into Saturday. They've won one in 11, um, albeit they did uh, they lost Exeter at the weekend, but before that they did beat Port Vale. But before that, they hadn't won in nine games type thing. Um, it, it's exactly the type of place I think we need to go with an injury-ravaged squad. Um, less home pressure, go up there, smell the lakes, uh, Cumbrian things yeah have a free sausage roll or whatever <laughs> who was it that was where eels bought everyone a hot dog at carlisle i've got such good memories one of them one yeah. of the hot dogs paul simpson club legend doesn't tend to yeah. do us over I, I, I just think that that is a great place for us to go um does anyone have any preview knowledge about carlisle beyond the fact that they're second from bottom and we really need to try and win that game. They've just broken their club record transfer fee because they've got new owners so they're giving it a go in January to try and get out of the mess. Uh, the Harrogate striker. I heard that so, on the radio, yeah. Yeah, Luke but, Armstrong, yeah. They've got new owners, haven't they? They've got some American investors that have come in to try and save them, I suppose, because uh, they look a pretty desperate situation over there at the moment. But yeah, just looking at their numbers, they don't score many. Twenty-one goals in twenty-six games. Most common scoreline: one in four of their games ends one all. Would you take one all, Connor? No. Good. That's the spirit. <laughs> no. This has to be a game that we go and play on the front foot. Even though I imagine it'll probably be a pretty difficult surface because I know they don't have a particularly fantastic ground. Um, so. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be uh, be one for one for Harris. I think I think Harris will again will continue his form. I think we'll get another one. I think we'll win two 0 oh, I like it. Organic prediction, Jack. Um, I think we'll win. It might have to be gritty and a bit kind of 
nasty and a bit rotter all over the shop. Elliot Moore will be back, won't he? So we'll watch we'll play the wing backs. When Lee, again, when Greg Lee's if Gre- really- to Jack's point earlier, if Greg Lee comes in, do you think we play five at the back? Or do you think we play four and you've got Lee alongside Brown in a back four? That given the lack of wingers up top, well, because you don't have any, you get your width yeah. maybe through Lee and Stevens. Who? Well, that's why I think you're going to have to play wing backs, whether or not it's probably the right system or not, because you've not got anyone else to provide the width. There, well, you haven't got two. Is players there any sense of anyone coming in beyond? Like between now and Saturday, we'll also depends on it. what Carlisle are doing as well. You know, we can only predict what we've got with our cards. They play Keeping three our cards close to our three-five-two. They played Do last they? time okay. out. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we might have to match them then. We just beat them on pure quality in terms of the players that we have. Um, but to answer your question, James, I don't think I've not heard anything really beyond the the Jamie coming um, situation in terms of someone coming in before that. However. Buckingham did obviously suggest that there was kind of this domino effect that is, you know, that they're waiting on at the moment with obviously a few players having to move from other clubs before um, being allowed to join us. So, because they had they had discussed that you know potentially within the first week of the window we were going to see a striker. So yeah. you wonder who that is you or really hope where that close. is. Yeah. yeah, I mean there was still a lot of rumours bouncing around that that was um, Marriott still being um, kind of in the in the hat, um, given the fact that. I think it wasn't it Peterborough's Peterborough's chairman came out and said that he's apparently joining a club in League One closer to home, and he's from Northamptonshire, I think. So God knows what he knows and whether or not that's actually anything at all to read into. Um, It'd be a very weird we'll thing to lie about, wouldn't it? I mean, but it'd also be a bit of a weird thing to say openly, given that nothing's you know nothing's confirmed or anything. So we'll see. What happened Maybe that's with them? If Ivan, there was a thing where if Ivan Tony went to Arsenal or something, they would get like a thirty percent. I don't think I think it was bollocks. But Peter, let's say Ivan Tony went for fifty million, Peterborough just land a thirty percent. You know, well, if that's on this, if that's the what they agreed on the sale of the, of him, it'd be interesting to know then, how yeah. much money they would get for that. But that could be amazing for him, couldn't it? I don't think it's quite that. Um, okay, so yeah. Carlisle Saturday. Let's really hope. Did we do John? Jack said gritty win. Did you give us a prediction? No, but I think we can win it. Can have a specific prediction, please. What we can. With and who scores and what minute? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Classic. Good. Good. Good comeback. Um, the, th- the point I was going to make before we just went on to that Carlisle preview is, yeah, beyond Carlisle, it's Northampton at home, Bristol Rovers away. That'll be tasty. Haven't they done something weird with their allocation of tickets or is that something else? Maybe not. Um, and then we're on to yeah, Reading, who at home... black Like, all the games look very winnable. Um Blackpool probably being the hardest trip where we're away in February to them. But, you know, this next run of games, again, got a real chance to kind of stay in it, get to the end of January, get the bodies in and then be still in that playoff picture. So lots to be positive about. Um, Nearly an hour and a half gone. Any final thoughts, musings, 
poems? Any more card-based anecdotes? No, James. Have you, James, have you, have you got a quiz? I'm out. I don't don't have a quiz. <laughs> we'll not be doing that. I think we got a little bit of feedback. I think like one person said, oh, "I like the quiz." Do another one one day. I think that was my mum, okay. wasn't it? Cool. Probably uh, paid her. Anyway, right. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, see some of you at uh, Carlisle on um, Saturday. A few of us will be there. Come on, you use. Thanks, guys. See you later. Can I do the introduction today? Hang on. It's a manner. It's not Mickey Mouse. Right. It's not manner. <laughs>